The Cottonwood Project presents Minty Nothing More, The House on Rocky Ridge Written and read by B.T. Higgins Chapter 1 Minty's pale, freckled hand hovered over the file cabinet marked Anchortown Orphanage Records. It trembled as she hesitated. With her other hand, she swept a dusting rag over the top with fluid strokes. She looked over her shoulder toward the open door. Mr. Blick muttered and cursed the double-hung window at the end of the hall. It had jammed again. Minty heard him searching through his disorganized tool bag. As the window was the only ventilation for the top floor and he couldn't open it, the air was hot and sticky in his office. She curled her thin fingers around the handle and pulled. Like the window, the file drawer had some fight in it. Minty set down her rag and tugged with both hands. The cabinet drawer slowly slid out. She read the names on the files. They were organized by last name. Minty paused in shock. In her opinion, Mr. Blick was worse than useless in two things, organization and cleaning. His skills ranged upward from there, fixing things, passable. Cooking, fair. Caring for children, not enough data. The drawer ran out nearly to its stop before Minty found a file that might be hers. It read, nothing more, comma, Minty. She pulled it up and saw the box marked active. Her name couldn't be nothing more, could it? As in not anything more? What a horror, she whispered. Still, no one else in the orphanage had the same first name as she did. Minty pulled out the file and opened it. It contained three documents. A birth certificate. Minty scanned the information. Born at Anchortown Hospital, June 12, 1263. No surprise there. She already knew her birthday. Mr. Blick had made a carrot cake for her twelfth birthday only a month ago. First name, Minty. Last name, nothing more. Minty covered her mouth to keep from objecting. Who would dare to give her that atrocious last name? She heard Mr. Blick curse, and Minty glanced over her shoulder. He started pounding on something. Minty scanned the rest of the birth certificate. Mother, Jill, deceased. Father, name unknown, deceased in the plague of 1262. Minty looked at the second piece of worn paper. The letter read, Anchortown Orphanage, to whom it may concern. The parents of this child have both deceased in the plague, neither of them possessing the immunity. The mother, named Jill, barely survived long enough to give birth to this child at our facility. In her final moments, she stated that the child should be called Minty. She said nothing more. The city of Anchortown has custody of the child until a suitable home may be found. It is quite likely that the girl will not live long. Please notify us if she begins to show symptoms of the plague as she was surely exposed. Sincerely, Dr. Baptist, Anchortown Hospital. Minty reread the letter several times. She stroked her thumb over the paper as if it could get her closer to her dead parents. Blasted window! Mr. Blick yelled. Minty heard a massive thud. The window slid up. Almost immediately, the air began to flow through the office. That did it, Mr. Blick said. Minty closed the folder and returned it to its place. Mr. Blick's knees cracked as he stood up. 
He grunted with the pain of the motion. Minty quickly closed the drawer. When Mr. Blick stepped into the office, Minty had the dust rag in motion on his desk. I got the blasted thing open, Mr. Blick told Minty. I heard, Minty said. It will be cooler in no time, Mr. Blick said. He stood in the doorway, his face lifted toward the draft coming down the hall. Sweat beaded on his forehead. He wiped it on the back of his sleeve. That feels so good. Minty glanced at him. Mr. Blick had his eyes closed. After a minute, Minty had finished dusting his office. I have written a list of supplies that I need. Just a few things. A broom, a bottle of disinfectant, a bundle of new cleaning rags. Minty lifted the rag in her hand and spread it out. She could see Mr. Blick through its many holes. Mr. Blick, Minty insisted. He reluctantly opened his eyes. I see your rag. He walked around the room and inspected the furniture and desk. I don't remember it being dusty in here. He ran his finger over the edge of the file cabinet. You can't wait until you see the dust, Minty said. Mr. Blick sighed. Are you sure you don't want to be at the pond, swimming with the rest of the children? The heat alone would drive me out if I weren't supposed to be running this place. Minty looked offended. I would love to be relaxing by the pond, drinking lemonades and reading books. I would love to. I sense a but Mr. Blick coming on. Mr. Blick sat down. But, Minty said, this place will not clean itself and no one else is going to do it. I don't suppose you are volunteering? Mr. Blick frowned and wiped his forehead. I like the dust. Minty drew in a shocked breath. A little dust, Mr. Blick corrected himself. To be honest, I prefer an absolutely sterile environment. Thank you for keeping this place shipshape. Lemonade, Mr. Blick licked his lips. I think I should add lemonade to that list of yours, don't you think? He lifted a pencil from his desk and wrote it at the bottom of Minty's list. Minty frowned at Mr. Blick. He stood and pocketed the list. I think I will just be off to fetch your supplies. A nice ride in the open air will do me good. Is there, um, uh, he shuffled across the room, anything else we need right now? Minty pulled two more lists from her pocket. Mr. Blick nodded. Of course, food. Mr. Blick read the heading of the first list. Didn't I just buy all these things? Last week you did, Minty said. There are fourteen children under your care, in case you forgot. Right. Lots of hungry mouths, Mr. Blick said. He pocketed the two lists. I better take the wagon. He moved down the stairs like a man who was very old or very fat, though he was neither. He had survived the sickness, but his body had paid the toll. Minty had to remind herself three times a day. It's not that he's completely lazy. It just hurts him to move. Then she remembered. Uh, Mr. Blick, she called. Yes, Minty. Mr. Blick sounded annoyed. We are also low on compressed air, Minty said. Compressed, Mr. Blick grunted as he started walking again. That tank didn't last long. When he was gone, Minty glanced back at the file drawer, but felt so offended by the last name that she left the room in disgust. Whoever gave that name to an orphan baby should be flogged, in Minty's opinion. The boys' dormitory needed sweeping every day, or the wooden floor would mud up. 
The girls' dormitory could be done once a week. Girls were less likely to bring in the dirt. Minty found her broom and began sweeping. The broom had been well worn down. The boys' room was long, with beds down both sides, ten beds in total, five on the left, five on the right. Minty saw that three of the beds had been moved a few inches out of alignment. Mr. Blick, she complained, won't you ever listen? Minty shoved the offending beds into line. She had been asking him to bolt them in place for years, but he denied the requests. She swept every nook and corner. Minty looked down at the pile of dust that she had swept from under all the beds. One day? she said. All this from one day? With a deep distaste, she gathered up the pile in the dustpan and emptied it outside. Minty shivered and frowned at the thought of her next task, the bathroom. She glanced out the window toward the pond. A swim would feel so wonderful. Maybe she should just leave the bathroom for tomorrow. She imagined her body floating in the gentle current from one side of the pond to the other, splashing, frolicking, being a kid. She watched them playing for many minutes. A tightness spread over her face. She could never enjoy herself with any mess looming in her mind. Minty turned toward the bathroom, set her chin in determination, and went back to work. Showers and tubs, toilets and sinks, towels hung everywhere, making the air muggy. Minty opened the windows and hung up the towels that lay on the floor. She shook her head in frustration. They'll never dry like that. Minty scrubbed everything. Sweat dripped into her eyes and down her back. After the bathrooms, Minty straightened the pictures in the hall. Then she noticed that the silverware had not been properly organized. When she had redone it correctly, Minty looked around. Is it all in order? Minty whispered. She gulped three times. The red fog lifted from her mind and she sighed with relief. Minty felt at peace. Minty changed into her swimming suit, a full-body suit, dark green. Her face, hands, and feet looked extra pale against the dark green, but it protected most of her skin from sunburn, a bane of her existence. She stepped out the back door and walked onto the grass. The sun was half past its zenith. Minty paused and let the sea breeze sweep the heat from her body. The pond was not large, but it was fresh. The waterfall dropped from Rocky Ridge two miles to the west and flowed down to the sea. Generations ago, other orphans had dug this pond so the river would pool in a cleft of the volcanic rock before overflowing and moving on to the sea. The river met the sea at Rocky Cove, a harbor with many ships and shanties. Beyond the harbor lay the endless ocean with its uncountable volcanic islands. Minty stepped into the shallows, cool water embraced her skin. The others were lying in the sun or playing catch nearby. Minty waded in until she could feel the gentle movement of the current. She lay back and floated. The blue sky overhead had only a single wispy cloud. Salt! she remembered. She stood up suddenly. Several kids looked at her in surprise. Mr. Blick had long gone down the road toward the shopping district. Drat! Minty swore as quietly as she could. She had forgotten to put it on the list. They would run out halfway to next week. 
The red fog came back over her mind, and she frowned as the feeling of her failure settled over her. Should she saddle the old mare Jenny and chase Mr. Blick down? That would be too dramatic. Should she go start a new list right now? Salt, she said. Minty lay back and floated again on her back. That would be overreacting. She could remember one item for a list. Minty would start the list after she'd rested a while. Salt, Minty said. The cloud seemed to turn red. Salt, she repeated. What if she forgot it? Salt. Minty burned the word into her mind with the heat of her failure. The water felt cool and gentle, but Minty couldn't enjoy it any more. She tried. She really tried. Before her body had floated halfway to the end of the pond, Minty stood up again. One of the younger boys, named Lawrence, sat splashing himself happily at the water's edge. Minty glared at the road behind Lawrence. I'm allowed to splash myself, Minty, he said. Minty didn't hear him. She glared past him. Mr. Blick said I was allowed, Lawrence defended. When Minty did not respond, Lawrence looked over his shoulder. What's wrong, Minty? Minty trudged out of the water. Salt, that's what. Minty growled as she passed Lawrence. Salt? Lawrence looked confused and afraid. Don't worry, Lawrence, said Emmeline, a fourteen-year-old orphan with very crooked teeth. You aren't in trouble. Minty turned and said, I just forgot the salt, Lawrence. Go back to splashing yourself. She threw her towel around her shoulders as she stomped into the house, dressed, and continued out to the stable. Even as she saddled old Jenny, Minty knew she was being unreasonable. People think you are weird, Minty, Minty scolded. The red fog was vivid in her eyes, and she couldn't stop if she wanted to. She mounted Jenny with some difficulty and said, Take me to town, Jenny. I need to find Mr. Blick. Jenny whinnied and started down the road at a moderate pace. Minty held gently to her mane. As they passed other houses along the road, Minty softened her scowl. It would not be polite to frown at neighbors. She raised a hand in greeting at the fork. Mr. Slattery, the butcher, raised a bloody hand in response. A mutton quarter hung from a beam in front of him. Did Mr. Blick stop by for meat yet? Minty called from the road. Jenny paused in front of the butcher's mailbox. Not yet, little Minty, said Mr. Slattery, but I saw him heading into town an hour ago. Thanks, Minty smiled as best she could manage. Salt, Minty whispered. Jenny knew to start again and chose the right fork toward town without any direction from Minty. The road climbed gently up the hill for several minutes, branching left and right at intervals. Mud Street, Bluff Street, Makedo Avenue. Minty frowned. Mud Street had been well graveled for as long as she could remember. Bluff Road didn't go anywhere near the bluff where the town lay. Minty didn't approve of humor in street naming. The higher Jenny took her, the stronger the sea breeze blew. Minty came over a rise, and the ocean exploded into view. The water looked emerald in the afternoon light and blue in the deep water. Minty examined Rocky Cove and the sailing ships docked within her protection. She counted twelve large vessels and thirty-three small ones. 
The sea breeze felt nice against her skin. Minty listened to the clop of Jenny's hooves on the gravel road. Salt, Minty said. Jenny took her directly to the salt man's stall at Market Street and stopped. No, Jenny, I need to find Mr. Blick. I don't have money to buy the salt. Jenny sniffed the air and walked on. Clip-clop. Market Street had paving stones and many shops. Minty nodded to each vendor that caught her eye, but she didn't see Mr. Blick anywhere. She thought of the lists she'd given Mr. Blick. He should be on Market Street or River Road. No, I haven't seen Mr. Blick today, said Abigail, the seamstress. Minty saw a young lady in the back working a needle back and forth. She would be fifteen or sixteen, Minty guessed. Apprentices had to be that old. That makes no sense, Minty said. He had three pairs of socks on his list. I'll tell him you're looking for him if I see him, Abigail promised. She had a kindly smile. Thank you, Abigail. Minty nodded and Jenny walked on. At the end of Market Street, Jenny turned right toward the river. If Mr. Blick had taken another road, he might have come into town a different way. Minty eyed the buildings that lined the river district, large buildings jammed shoulder to shoulder. Each one had a wooden water wheel turning or a metal turbine. Minty couldn't see the river, but she could hear it working its way through all those electric power generators. Mr. Blick's wagon was not parked in front of either of the compressed air warehouses. Minty began to despair that he'd not come into town at all. Mr. Blick, you sluggard. She began to feel stupid for having come. Jenny began walking up River Road toward Rocky Ridge. The factories followed the river up to the ridge at the waterfall. Welders, tank makers, wagonwrights, millers, and the list went on. Builders of every kind. Any trade that needed power had to be along the river. The path of the river meandered across the bluff. Streets branched off it like legs on a centipede. He wouldn't be this far up river, Minty said. She considered asking Jenny to take her home. Maybe she could get home without Mr. Blick discovering she had come all this way just to add salt to his list. Minty felt silly and embarrassed. She was twelve years old. She should be more mature than this. In only three years, when she became an adult, Minty would have to find work. No one would hire a girl known to be odd-brained. Minty sniffed and wiped her eyes. Jenny reached Rocky Ridge and stopped. She whinnied. Minty looked up at the ridge. Rocky Ridge loomed one hundred feet over her head, too steep to climb. The last factory had been built against its base. The thundering waterfall dropped into its turbine. Minty didn't know how anyone could live this close to the waterfall. The racket was deafening. Minty looked left. She saw a narrow path cut into the cliff. It climbed the ridge with three switchbacks. Minty had no idea how it had been built. The stone cutting looked very precise. As far as Minty had heard, only one person lived on top of Rocky Ridge. Granny Shin, Minty whispered. Her name was spoken in reverence. Minty had heard the stories. When the plagues came, Granny Shin came down from the ridge with medicine. She had saved hundreds of people who didn't have the immunity. 
Minty saw the rock face at the base of the cliff path. Bless you, Granny Shin, had been carved into the stone along with hundreds of names. Anchor Town thanks Granny Shin for her miracle medicine in the plague of 1185. Had been carved long ago in bold lettering. Then below that in various size numbers and the plague of 1203, 1223, 1242, 1262. Minty found it hard to swallow 1262. That year, the plague had killed her parents. Granny Shin had not saved them. Take me home, Jenny, Minty said with hoarse tones. She cleared her throat. Jenny shook her head several times and began walking toward the narrow cliff path. No, Jenny, don't go up the cliff. I said take me back to the orphanage. Minty grabbed two handfuls of Jenny's mane and turned her head. She snorted and stomped her front hooves. Well, Jenny, I'm sorry if I was rough, but you were about to start up the cliff. What were you thinking? Jenny shook her head until Minty let go of her mane. She snorted again and began walking down River Road. Minty stroked Jenny's neck. I'm sorry, Minty said. Don't be angry. Jenny snorted again and picked up her pace. She thought of the cool water from the pond and how she could have been floating in it all this time. Minty stared at Jenny's ears as they twitched left and right with each factory they passed. A man sitting outside his leather work stood and pointed. It can't be, he said. Minty turned in her saddle and followed his gaze. A figure stood at the top of Rocky Ridge Path, looking out over the town. From this distance, Minty could see a gray-haired lady with a many-colored dress fluttering in the wind. What's wrong? Minty asked the leatherman. Is that Granny Shin? the man said. How is she still alive? Whoa, Minty said to Ginny. The horse stopped and tossed her head. Granny Shin had a crippling stoop in her back. She leaned on a cane. The old lady seemed to be staring at Minty. Even at two hundred feet of distance, Minty shivered at the intensity of her gaze. Young man, said Granny Shin. Her voice carried down to them. Minty thought her voice sounded like a man's full of rumble and gravel. Perhaps that's what happened when a person grew so very old. Are you talking to me? the leather man asked. Minty glanced at him. His hair was salted with gray. I'm anything but young. Compared to me, everyone is young, said Granny Shin. Would you please fetch someone for me? Sure, Granny Shin, the leather man called up the ridge. Who do you want me to get? Tell Ulrich Blick to come see me at once, said Granny Shin. Tell him he's a month late and I have grown tired of waiting. The leather man nodded and bowed right away. He turned on his heel and ran off. The door to his shop stood ajar. Minty thought to close it for him, but decided she had better get back to the orphanage. She stole one more glance up Rocky Ridge. Granny had disappeared. Minty shivered and urged Jenny to hurry. Something in her bones roiled with worry. She didn't know what Mr. Blick's first name was. He'd never said, 
If he were Ulrich Blick, trouble might be brewing. How had he angered the old lady so much? She hadn't shown herself for a decade. Minty listed possible calamities that might be waiting to fall on Mr. Blick's head. What would Minty and the rest of the children do if Mr. Blick were gone? Salt, Minty whispered. She must not forget to start a new list. Welcome to the B.T. Higgins Books Podcast. You've found the home for B.T. Higgins audiobooks and other bonus content from the author not published elsewhere. I'm B.T. Higgins, author, speaker, and host of this podcast. Thank you for listening to Minty Nothing More, The House on Rocky Ridge by B.T. Higgins. Please go to the next episode to continue the story, or find other stories in older episodes. This audiobook has been brought to you by The Cottonwood Project, all rights reserved. Minty's theme was composed by Eliana Colmenares. This podcast is all about giving my work away for free so more people can find it. I appreciate your help in spreading this podcast to others by following or subscribing to the podcast, leaving a five-star review, and referring it to your friends and family. Thank you for giving this work legs. I couldn't do it without you. Find the print versions of all my books at online retailers or request them from your local bookstore or library. If you would like to have B.T. Higgins visit your school or present at your event, please go to bthiggins.com author events. You can find all the other books by B.T. Higgins at bthiggins.com the books. The email contact bthigginsbooks at outlook.com. Thanks for listening.